This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. March is an important time for basketball. People are putting the final touches on their March Madness brackets and getting in on office pools. And all across Native America, athletes and their families are heading off to their own tournament games. Today we'll touch in with some places where Native Hoops fever has taken hold. How is your team doing this season? Are there some star athletes in your community that are making a difference? We're talking Native basketball and taking your calls right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Nez Perce tribe in Idaho is celebrating the return of spring Chinook salmon into Sweetwater Creek for the first time in nearly a century. On Wednesday, the tribe's Department of Fisheries released juvenile spring Chinook. According to the tribe, they have not been found there or in the connecting Lapway Creek for close to 100 years. The tribe live-streamed the event on Facebook. Here's Vice Chairman Shannon Wheeler. It's been a lot of work to get this creek back restored and, and, you know, it's pretty near and dear to, you know, our family's heart and all of our Nest First people. When the Lewiston Dam was built in the 1920s, there was not adequate fish passage. After dam removal in the 70s, Spring Chinook were reintroduced into the Clearwater River through hatchery programs. They were not reintroduced into Sweetwater Creek due to lack of water and poor habitat. The tribe has worked to improve the habitat. With this release, it's anticipated adult spring Chinook will begin returning to the area by 2024. President Biden Wednesday announced the nomination of a Navajo woman to lead the Indian Health Service. Rosalind So currently heads the Navajo Area IHS. She's the nominee for IHS director. So began her career with the Indian Health Service in 1984. She has held various roles in the Portland area and headquarters in Rockville, Maryland. In a statement, the Navajo Nation's top leader praised Biden's pick. Navajo Nation President Jonathan Nez says this is a historic nomination lauding So's commitment to public health and her leadership throughout the pandemic. The Navajo Area IHS delivers health care to more than 200,000 American Indians in the Four Corners region. So has been responsible for working directly with tribes and direct service tribes. The IHS, a division within the Department of Health and Human Services, provides health care to more than 2 million American Indians and Alaska Natives. The director oversees the administration of health care programs and services. The IHS has been without a director since January 2021 when Rear Admiral Michael Wiaki stepped down, saying he was asked to resign as the incoming presidential administration took office. Elizabeth Fowler has been serving as acting director. An exhibit at a Milwaukee art gallery in Wisconsin calls attention to missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. The exhibit is called No More Stolen Sisters. Taryn Powell reports. The No More Stolen Sisters exhibition at the Walkers Point Center for the Arts features indigenous artists from across North America and U.S. territories and allies. It includes works made from metal, clay, mixed media, and more. One of the show's curators, Valeria Tatera, is a featured artist and a member of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. Tatera called the issue of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls a crisis and says she's always had a desire to do an exhibition on missing and murdered indigenous women, girls, and two-spirits, or MMIWG2S, as she abbreviated. 
She says the intention is to hold space for the missing and their families. I think it's essential that we understand the connection between the commodification and exploitation of indigenous lands leads to the commodification and exploitation of indigenous people. One of the art pieces hanging in the gallery called Baggage is one that Tatera says expounds on indigenous women being seen as commodities. Which has an indigenous woman in her regalia printed on a black trash bag with a red modern purse and her face has a barcode on it. Tatera says she wants people who see the No More Stolen Sisters exhibition to know that indigenous women are not invisible. I'm Taryn Powell reporting. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Albuquerque Hispano Chamber of Commerce's Convention and Tourism Department, providing complete convention and visitor planning services to Hispanic and Native American conventions. Information on convention and tourism services at ahcnm.org. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. This week, the Lodge Grass High School boys basketball team is vying for the Montana Class B High School State Championship. If they pull it off, it will be a three-peat for the team from the Crow Nation. It's an inspiring story that invokes a previous basketball dynasty at Lodge Grass with a legendary player who motivated so many others who came after, including the coach of the current team. We'll hear from him in just a moment. In New Mexico, Native teams and players are featured prominently in nearly every team state tournament game. And in Alaska, one village school is able to have a team suit up for the first time in almost 20 years. We're talking hoops today, and who doesn't love getting caught up on Native basketball? As always, we want you to give us a shout out. Tell us about the standout players and teams where you are. That number to call, 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining our conversation from Lodgegrass, Montana, is Josh Stewart. Josh is the 2020 and 2021 Montana Coaches Association Class B Basketball Coach of the Year, who led the Lodgegrass Indians to two state championships. This week, he has his eye on a third as the Indians enter the state Class B tournament in Bozeman, Montana. Welcome back to Native America Calling, Josh. Yes, thank you. It's a great honor. I really appreciate it. It's great to be back on the show. Joining us from Crown Point, New Mexico, is Kyler Frank. He's the KCZY radio manager at Navajo Technical College. He's Navajo. Welcome back to NAC, Kyler. Hey, good morning, Yate. Yate. And joining us from Makoryuk, Alaska, is Edward Kiokan. He is the president of the native village of Makoryuk and also the coach of the Makoryuk High School Herders. Edward is Chupik. Welcome to the show, Edward. Thank you, Sean. 
Josh, I know the Lodgegrass Indians still have work to do, but let me just take a moment to congratulate you on what's shaping up to be another extraordinary season. Yeah, thank you very much. How do you and your players feel going into the state tournament? You, you've got a game tonight, right? Yes, we do. Uh, we have a, a good, tough battle tonight against Shelby. they got a 6-9 D1 commit that's been um, playing great those last 18 games. I think they've only lost two games, I think. Um, so we'll, we're ready. The boys are ready, and, and uh, we've been preparing uh, for the last, last month doing two a days and getting our mind right and not only that praying and and uh talking to the boys about their their mental health and where they where they are there and making sure we're strong coming in so um i feel like we're ready um spirit soul and body well six foot nine that is a big boy and you said a, a division one recruit so definitely uh you have your work cut out for you but uh wishing you all the best of luck Josh, what have been some highlights for your team this season? The Indians are twenty and one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we're actually twenty one and one, um, but we um, we had, um, I guess, many great moments. Uh, we we call them shared joy. Those moments where twenty, thirty years down the road, you'll, they'll talk about that, and they'll all remember who was in the gym, who was in the room, who was on the bench, and you know they'll they'll share those memories forever. So we've had several of those this year, and one of them was um, uh, one of our managers didn't make the team. We had 62 boys try out. He was one of them. He's a senior. He got cut and he, um, and there's only 82 boys in the school, 170 total. Um, so having that much made it, made it tough for a lot of kids because there was a lot of cuts. He was one of them. And he just said, coach, can I stick around? Can I sweep the floor and wash jerseys, whatever I can do, be a practice player. And we're like, man, absolutely. John, I love your heart. Definitely. We want you here. And, um, so he stuck around. He did everything. He cleaned. He, he was a practice player. He did so many things for us. And at the end of the season, um, I communicated to the captains that I'm going to give John a jersey, might sit a, a, one of the younger players and just play him for senior night or something. And they loved it. They're like, he deserves it. Yeah, do it, coach. We're with you. And, and then um, so Damon, one of the captains, broke the state record and scored 71 points. Um, and then he broke the school record. He he passed Elvis Old Bull, the one of the uh, I guess Indian country's legends, but definitely Lodgegrass's goat. Um, he passed him on the career scoring that night, and so many things happened, and it was just really amazing to to be a part of. And so, a few days later, another kid breaks his record and scores 82 points, but against um, a, a, an 0 and 15 team, and they they had I think they were playing three eighth graders and so everyone was mad for Damon. They're like, why did they let that kid do that? You know? And we were just yeah. fine enough. And everyone's like, and then we're going to play that team in that next weekend. So everyone's like, you guys will play that same team. You got to let Damon score a hundred. I, I was already <laughs> like, that's just not going to happen. There's no way we've built so much um, across the state respect and building the character of these young men tear it down one game for scoring. That's just not going to happen. And Damon said, I agree coach that no way. Well, an hour after everything kind of blown up, Damon called and just said, Coach, I want to give Jonathan my jersey for that last game against Forsyth, who was struggling. And, that, man, I was like, Damon, that, that says so much of your character. I'm so proud of you. And then um, he gives him his jersey. And, he, and then not only that, we start him, give him that experience of being called out and, you know, spotlights on you and have your name called out. And we want him to, 
and that's something all these boys have all experienced. And that, you know, for him, that was the first and, and probably the last, but the biggest moment for him. And, and it just turned into a state story. And um, I think that was one of the biggest for us. And it was just uh, something that I feel these boys remember forever. And the Forsyth community sure loved it. And they gave us a lot of support going this way and, and thanked us for that. That is a, a really, really cool story about that, that player that, you know, he couldn't make the team a senior, but he, he wanted to be involved and, and for Damon to give him his jersey like that. Wonderful. And coach, I really applaud you for um, not having Damon go out there and run up the score against that lower tier team you mentioned. That would just be a hollow victory to, to you know, re-break the record like that and just keeping your integrity and, and the brand intact of the Lodgegrass Indians. So again, I give you a lot of props for that. How long have you been coaching, Josh? Um, I've been coaching this youth hoops, Y ball, volunteering tournaments and tr uh, travel ball uh, for about 15 to 20 years. Um, and then I was an assistant at Skyview, um, Skyview High School, uh, 2A school in, in Montana. And um, we won two state titles there and took third place. And then this is my third year as a varsity head coach. So three years varsity head coach, and <laughs> you, you, you've, uh, you're looking at your third state title. So you are undefeated in state titles as a head coach, right? It, that's incredible. It's, it's a blessing. It's very <laughs> humbling, actually. And I just, um, I would say, to God be the glory, to the boys be the credit. Uh, now, Coach, you've got a saying you tell your players, practice isn't over until you've gone home, done a chore, and told your family that you love them. I love it. What inspired you to come up with that? Um, well, one day we had a really tough draining practice. Um, the first year we came in toward the end of the season and it, we just did all the sensory overload stuff. And we, we, we did the row machine, we did everything. And then the physical just took a toll on every part of them and just tried to build the mental toughness. And I, I knew the boys were drained. I said, Hey guys, make sure you guys go home and thank your families. They, they do a lot for you. And then I was like, you know what, matter of fact, and it just kind of came in that moment. As a matter of fact, practice isn't over until you go home and perform a chore, even if you already did one. And it's an expectation in a lot of your homes, but go do another one. Go the extra mile. And then I want you to tell your families, verbally express gratitude to your families. And don't just say, thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. Thanks, Kala. You know, don't, don't make it simple. Get a small piece of paper and write out a small paragraph of the things you appreciate because they go to jobs that, they might not be like, they might have people in their job and making it tough for them to show up and, and they might not like to grind and some of them might be backbreaking. Whatever it is, they're doing it for you guys. So write something down. Say thank you for the shoes, the food on the table, the clothes on my back, the roof over my head, the water. Thank you for all of it. And so they went home and did that, that day one and said, let me know when you do it with integrity, report it to the group chat and just say, coach, practice is over. I did you know, whatever chore. And then I told my family this and then they wanted, they did it. And then it happened again. And then we started getting feedback from families like, wow, my son never does that. Or he never says that. Wow. I don't have mm -hmm. to ask my son anymore to clean. And not only, he doesn't just clean the dishes. He sweeps the floor. He puts, fixes the beds. He does the laundry. Like they're just going all out now. And then we just stuck with it. And then just become a regular part of our culture. Right on, right on. Awesome story. 
Coach, earlier you mentioned Elvis Old Bull. Uh, he was a, a superstar player there at Lodgegrass about 30 years ago. Tell us more about him. Elvis was larger than life. Uh, he's one of the biggest inspirations for me. And I tell the boys all the time that um, I don't think I'd be on this path if it wasn't for Elvis and the Lodgegrass Indians. And there was others too, Everett Howe and Lyndon Driftwood, Amigo Jefferson. Um, whenever we'd see them, it was just like seeing superstars because um, they were the champions, but it was we. We are the champions. We felt like we were all champions because of those guys. And then Elvis was just big across the state and, and other places. People came from other states to come watch him. And I really didn't know that until I got older, but um, I just was just this kid that would play under the bleachers and run around until Elvis was playing. I'd sit down and just watch. And then um, as I got older, I got to get close to him and know him. Our daughters were born about the same time, and his youngest daughter and, and my daughter are the same age. So we went to soccer together and basketball games together, and just getting to hear a lot of these stories was really amazing. Um, but, yeah, it, he I remember one time after their last state championship, we had about 20, 30 kids right up to the exit where the bus comes down and, and we waited the snow, there was snow out, the roads were dry and we were all on our bikes and the Lodgecraft Indians, two buses came down. They just won their third state title and they opened up the windows and they were just smiling and waving. And I saw Elvis, he was giving us a thumbs up and I just thought, that's what I want to be. I want to, I want to be that. And then we're all riding back to the <laughs> okay. school. Like, what are you going to wear when you get there? And, and I'm going to, I'm going to be like Elvis. I'm going to be number 52. And, and then I just fell in love with basketball Okay. Folks, we're talking with Josh Stewart, head coach of the Lodge Grass Indians, as he prepares his team for state tournament this weekend. You're listening to Native America Calling. We'll be back right after this short break. A new exhibition is opened on the traditional land of the Shinnecock tribe in New York, and it's curated by and features Shinnecock artists. We'll get a tour of the exhibition at the Southampton Art Center that features all indigenous artists. That's coming up on the next Native America Calling. Contact Lou Indian Healthcare Provider. Healthcare.gov. Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service. Thanks for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. It's an important time for Native basketball. State tournaments are underway as we head into the final stretch of the 2021-2022 season. What are some highlights from your hometown squad? We definitely want to hear about teams that are looking tough, boys and girls. Join our discussion by calling 1-800-996-2848, 1-800-99-NATIVE. We were speaking with Josh Stewart uh, before break. He's head coach again at uh, Lodgegrass High School. And he was talking about the legacy of one of their greatest players of all time there in in Crow, uh, Elvis Old Bull. And Josh, I, I'm interested to know your thoughts as a coach. And, you know, it just seems like the caliber of the talent on the court at the high school level just seems like it's higher than ever. And even just 
you know, I remember growing up in the 80s and even into the 90s, and it just seems like the, the players are just so much so much better. Teams are so much better. Uh, is that the case, or am I imagining that, or has something just changed in the way basketball is played nowadays? Yeah, no, the, the talent is, is, uh, is crazy. I think it, that's all the way from the top down, NBA, all the way down, um, the college and high school. Uh, for sure, we, we would go out and just try to play ball and run up and down. Nowadays, everything's so, like, specified, and kids are getting into weights earlier. They're seeing the advantages of that. Um, I think from, from guys like us, probably, and our generation, saying we should have started weights, you know, in high school. When we got to college, we learned we needed weights, um, but we were behind. And so the kids now are doing that. They're just athletic. They're fast. They're strong. They're, they're big. And they got a lot of skill because there's so many uh, training opportunities for these kids now. And a lot of them are indoors. We were very fortunate to see a hardwood in the summertime at any time. And we're always outside on, on the grass, dirt, you know, on the, in the pavement and wherever. But kids nowadays are in the gym all the time. And there's just all these training facilities and coaches that are offering training like all year mm-hmm. round now. And the game has grown. Coach, do you think, I mean, I mean, and that's one of the criticisms now of, of, of amateur sports in general is that kids are just practicing too much. They're playing year round. They're specializing in individual specific sports at an early age. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think this is a, an alarming trend or do you think it's good for sports? No, I think I tell our boys enjoy being a boy. I was like, man, you guys, you need to get to 21 and say, I wish I was 14 again and enjoy being a boy and go play football with your friends, do track together. Every, you know, um, do multiple sports because you'll, you'll learn and grow from those too, but enjoy all of it. Don't think that, um, I'm not going to like you or not consider you because you won't focus only on basketball. I I'm, I'm against that. Um, so I, I, even my kids, my son is an eighth grader now and my daughter's a freshman. I tell them go out for soccer. Soccer is one of the greatest sports ever do soccer mm-hmm. and, and volleyball and track football. And so, um, I, I think they get so much more out of um, just playing multiple sports and and making friends all over the place. But definitely basketball on, on the res is king for sure. But I'm, I'm like, enjoy it and, and don't try to grow up too fast and make the best of it. You know, use it as a tool to, to build bridges and, and make friends. But, Coach, but don't do you make have... it everything. Sure, sure. Coach, do you have um, a lot of your players interested in playing at the college level? Yeah, we have several. Actually, one of them's got six offers, and then the other one's got a few offers. Um, and there, there are seniors, um, but we got a, a few underclassmen that are are wanting to play. So, well, best of uh, luck. It's fun to try to prepare them. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you bet. And and again, best of luck. Uh, you got a game tonight against Shelby. I know it's going to be a tough one. So Indian Country's behind you, though, for sure. So uh, thanks again, Coach, for all that background. And again, congratulations on what's turning out to be just another great season for you up there in Lodgegrass, Montana. Folks, uh, we've got another native basketball team that's getting headlines right now. And um, they're actually all the way up in Alaska. And we have their head coach here, Edward Kyokan. Edward, your team has gotten some press because um, this is the first time you've been able to field a team in, in quite a while. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so uh, 
we're out here in western Alaska, out in the middle of the Bering Sea on a small little island called Nunavak Island. And um, just listening to a coach from um, was, uh, earlier, I mean, it, they got more kids in their school than we probably have in our village. So on a good day, we have about we have a good on a good day we have about 200 people here on the island, and in our school from preschool to high school, it's about 40 to 45 students. And uh, for so for the past 20 years, um, we haven't had a boys basketball team, and it's it's always been a big thing here. I mean, the first time they set up uh, tournaments back in the 80s. Uh, McCorick was actually the first team to go to state and then they went again a couple of years later and then uh, back in the late 90s early 2000s the girls were actually a quite a big powerhouse going to state too also so McCorick we're a small town but we were always competitors within the our district area and we we're always a powerhouse but for the last 20 years, we just never had enough students either that were interested or um, there were just not enough students, you know. Um, for example, for the past maybe two, three years, we've only had maybe like one or two seniors graduating. There were just not enough students to play. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, um, come January, the season opened, I mean, the basketball season opened mid-December, and after Christmas break. I was talking to my daughter, and she was. I said, "How many boys in high school are there?" He's like, "Maybe five or six I said, "And there's three girls, right?" And she was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, you guys want to have a basketball team?" They're like, "Yeah, I guess I'll talk to them." And so they all talked together, and um, they didn't think nothing of it. They just showed up for practice, and I mean the last time we've ever had a basketball team was before they were even born. So that's pretty much how we all started off. So coach, this is a co-ed team that you're fielding then, right? Oh yeah. Co-ed, co-ed team. Um, there's, there's, uh, they have five boys to play. Um, one, one is, uh, got knee problems. Another girl, she wanted to play, but she had knee problems and, uh, you know, they, they, they all wanted to, uh, join in. So, um, I wasn't going to say, Hey, no, you're a girl, you know, you, you can't join in or, you know, it, it, right. it was definitely something they were, they wanted to feel for the very first time. And, uh, they were, I think, I believe they were the first team ever to get into the district district regionals co-ed team. So that was a big step for them too. Well, coach, congratulations on reintroducing basketball there at Macquarie. Ken. So they made it all the way to the districts. Uh, first time a co-ed team got that far. How, how far along did they get into districts? Um, they, they were, it was pretty uh, interesting, though, how, how it all turned out because of COVID. You, you were only allowed two, um, two uh, oh, I'm sorry, four guests per player. So there was only a small full of players. And our McCorick crowd is, very known for being the loudest crowd anywhere, anywhere in Alaska. Um, even even though we're always the loudest one. So when they got into the gym and they were playing their first game against Kipnuk, 
um, they were ahead six points and they were going. And then all of a sudden, you know, the crowd started getting louder and they kind of got, you know, shell shocked. They weren't expecting the whole, you know, everybody to be yelling and screaming and come halftime. They, they, they were totally confused. They didn't know what to think. So I brought them into the locker. I said, this, this is, this is how basketball is. Wait till there's two, 300 people in the crowd and all yelling at you. And, you know, I had to have to sit down and I said, just listen to my voice, tune it all out. You know, some, some of them were taking it more personal than, than, you know, others, the whole yelling, you know, you know, how they get, you know, they start yelling, get back on defense, get back on offense, put your hands <laughs> right. up. And so they, some of them took it more personal. So they, they weren't, and they weren't ready for that. And that part of that was my fault too, because, um, you know, just sitting there telling them is not gonna is not gonna do justice enough for you know to get them ready for that honestly. But COVID had a part of play with it, and uh, but yeah, like I said, before they even um, played their first, I mean, ever seen a real game, you know, they weren't even born. We haven't had a team in 20 years, and then so they they lost that first game, and then they played the second game, and but we prepared mentally for that and they played an awesome game i mean we we ended up losing the second game also and we're out of the tournament but at the end of the game you know it it for us and for them it felt like they won the championship because you know they played their hearts out and um we're always focusing on you know being positive being respectful showing mm-hmm. love for everybody and we're, we're a strong faith-based community here and to take those three things to heart i mean they you know i couldn't be more proud of these kids yeah this is such a great great story and um you know coaches i understand it a lot of high school basketball teams up in alaska and some of the the villages they 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 have to fly to all their games do, do the herders fly to to all their away games yes yes so all our we're on an island, so there's no way we could snow machine all the way to the mainland. So we have to fly to all our games, or the teams have to come here and fly here. Um, some villages in western Alaska that are on the mainland, they're they're fortunate enough to be able to, if, if a plane can't come in, they just snow machine over to the next village, which is like 20 to 30 miles away. And uh, they get up on their snow machines, load up the kids with sleds on sleds, and they drive across to the next village and uh yeah but McCorick all the all the games were you have to fly out and fly in uh we had some invitations for other villages to come here during the season but um weather has played a big part of it and they weren't able to make it but we ended up going to our uh island league uh tournament to decide who goes to district and they pulled off a third place in that that and that league and um yeah that was probably one of the most exciting games ever it was probably the most viewed um viewed uh, uh facebook live games in that school and their stu- their their school has you know like 250 kids or something like that and they have mm. you know volleyball wrestling and all that other stuff basketball and um that was probably the most viewed game ever amazing amazing coach 
Herders. That's an interesting team name. What's the story there? So uh, back in the uh, like the 1920s, 1930s, uh, the government brought a bunch of reindeer here to the island, and there was a couple of uh, outsiders that came here to manage the reindeer, and they started uh, um, start basically started a reindeer cattle like um, plant here, and they would send out the men out there into the field on a boat on the opposite end of the island and drop them off and they would have to walk from one side of the island to back herding all the reindeer on foot and that would be an annual thing where they would just you know bring in the herd herd the reindeer in on foot and uh, then um, a few years later they handed over the reindeer to the local tribe here to manage the reindeer and you know they started they kept doing that and then as technology came along they started herding reindeer on snow machines and uh, to this day <laughs> we have we have herders and that's that herd reindeer so that's how our uh, name came up as mccoriac herders well coach i gotta ask are, are your team uniforms are, are your colors red and green Oh no! Our colors are crimson and gold, and uh, as you can see from our pictures that you guys posted up on the website, we had, the problem was is that the game that we start, I mean the practice we started up in January was kind of a last minute thing, and then so we had to get ten practices in before we could even go play, and so we got mm-hmm. that, and um, I was like, okay, Mr. Principal, where's the jersey? See some. Um, let's look upstairs. And so we looked upstairs and we literally had to look through every single box because we, we couldn't find any jerseys. All the jerseys had disappeared. So we had to, you know, you you got different jerseys on the picture from like the uh, 80s and 90s and 2000s. So I I guess you kind of could say was they were representing all the years, but, um, uh, eventually, we, we're going to get them new jerseys. We're planning on having a boys' team next year and a girls' team next year, so they're all excited about it. This has just been an all-around positive, positive uh, thing for the kids, and uh, it's been great. Well, Coach, once again, big congratulations there, McCorick, Alaska, and, and, and good luck uh, next year and, and all the coming years, uh, boys and girls, herders basketball, great story. We're going to have to take a break here in just a short minute, but I, I do want to bring Josh Stewart, uh, head coach at Lodgegrass, back into the conversation. And Josh, you know, I mean, basketball, it's its big all over Montana, the Dakotas. Uh, we've got Kyler Frank, who's going to talk about basketball down in New Mexico. We just heard what's going on up in Alaska. What is it about natives and basketball, Josh? Why is it just the sport uh, amongst uh, native people? Yeah, uh, people ask me that um, with Lodgegrass and how – you know, they'll joke about what um, one of them said, it's like oxygen, you know, we need it to live, you know, um, someone, someone said that. And I, I, I thought I, I can agree with that to a little bit, but I feel like it's the horse. We didn't always have the horse, but once it came, we made it life. It became a pillar of the community, something we relied on to really push us through um, in the, for us, 
we got, I think, in the 1600s, the Spanish Revolt. The Comanches got theirs, and somewhere after that, we got ours. And the early 1700s is when we really started relying on horses. And, like, we didn't always have them, but now, like, they're a big part of our community. They're they're part of our way of life. And that's what basketball's become. We didn't always have it, but as a part of our resilience factor, we fell in love with it. It became the sport that we just gravitated toward, and it's helped so many people, myself included, get through a lot of tough times. And I think we just love to cheer on our kids, the next Warriors, because I tell our boys, you know, we can't be the Warriors from 200 years ago. Um, but right now, you are called to this generation, to this time, to be a warrior for today. So in 200 years, when they read about those old warriors, let them read about you, is what we say. And, and basketball is the tool to, to be that warrior. Well, folks, we are having a really fun conversation today. We are talking about Native basketball, and we have coaches and commentators from all over Native America sharing their stories, giving us their takes. So please, if you've got a comment or question Give us a holler, 1-800-996-2848. We're going to be back right after this short break. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Strong Hearts Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling 1-844-7-NATIVE or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by Strong Hearts Native Helpline. Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. There's still time to talk some basketball today. What are some highlights of the season for you? High school, NCAA, NBA, whatever teams and leagues you follow, please call in with a fresh take. 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Also on our show today, we have Kyler Frank. Again, he is in Crown Point, New Mexico. He's the radio manager at KCZY. Uh, he's Navajo, and he is a big-time basketball fan. Kyler, state tournament going on in New Mexico right now. A lot of Native teams at work. Give us some updates. <laughs> Well, you know, um, it was a it was, it was a tough one for our hometown here in Crown Point. We had two of our teams that made it to state from um, um, the boys and the girls that made it here. Um, of course, some of the other teams in the region had made it with their boys and girls as well, but um, mostly here in Crown Point, we had. It's been a long time for. It's been a long time since they had made it this far, and I think this is the first time that both teams had made it together for both girls and boys. Um, I was looking at some of the stuff way back, and, um, you know, we have some um, history that um, Crown Point had been at the state before. Um, when I was playing in high school, I remember we used to play Crown Point, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm just really I'm just really glad that these guys made it because um, they seem like they came from a long ways with the record that they had from previous as well with some of the coaches that they had. Um, I've been at the opportunity to broad, broadcast some of their games. Um, just a moment ago, uh, they're trying to call me over here to the radio station, but I had all uh, Crown Point and Robertson, um, the girls bracket for the District Three or the Three um, A District, the girls lost just a moment ago uh, to the number one team in the state in their um, district. So uh, they had uh, 51 to 37. It was a tough loss for Crown Point Eagles today. Mm. And um, you know, um, in this in this particular district, we had from our area, from this region right here, we had a lot of them that had made it. We had Crown Point, we had Navajo Prep. We had also um, Tohatchee um, Cougars 
who had made it as well. Um, so right now um, in the semifinals, like I said, just a moment ago, we had Crown Point losing to the number one team, 37-51. to 51. And this afternoon at 3.30, um, we're going to see um, Tohachi, um, the number two seed in, in the bracket, going up against Santa Fe Indian School. So um, two native teams, um, of course, one of them is going to be going to the state championship. Um, it's overall, it was fun, a fun season to watch them as the tournament started. It was really neat to see these um, kids kind of take it over and, you know, be part of this whole championship series that goes on in the state here. So it was an exciting event. And, um, you know, uh, we also had a matchup between, uh, uh, well, it was like kind of like a rematch, a rivalry that was going on the whole entire season in this particular District 3A with Crown Point and Navajo Prep girls. And um, what's interesting here was that, I, if I'm correct, I think that um, the head coach was, uh, Navajo Prep, you know, I, everybody, of course, down in this area knows who Rainy Crisp is because she was a Navajo um, girl that played with Arizona State and came back over to Navajo land and started coaching again. Um, and she was a um, previous winner of the of that of this particular district. She won two state championships prior and was beat out by Crown Point just the other night, and I had the opportunity to call that game. But the Crown Point coach was her is one of her students so i think that might be the case i, I it might be that um, she was what she, she had coached the crown point girl um that was going that's our currently our coach right now so that's kind of interesting right now yeah and um other yeah. areas we have we have a small school as well that's kind of north of us of tohajle in kainsito um and they um are in the championship right now and they play tomorrow and they had made it um deep enough as well and in the boys, we had um, some painful losses last night for our quarterfinals for this particular district that I'm talking about. So it's like of the 4A class, of 3A classes that I'm talking about. Now, last night, we had Socorro um, overtake our Crown Point boys down in Socorro, uh, 66 to 57. And then we had um, Navajo Prep, who played up at up St. Michael's in Santa Fe, lose a heartbreaker in the last seconds, 41 to 40. And then we had uh, Santa Fe Indians, as well played against um Cynthia Prep and they advance to the semifinals. So they play tomorrow at one thirty. So uh, that's what's happening right now in um in the class um three A three A district. So yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, lots of great updates there, Kyler. Thank you so much. And, and again, sorry to hear Crown Point girls uh, had their season come to an end just a little bit earlier today. Kyler, uh New Mexico State high school tournament, uh that's in Albuquerque, right? Well, uh, it, this year they had it up at, at some of the, uh, I guess the higher seeds. Um, um, they, 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 the higher seed was the one that hosted the basketball tournament, and then they, I guess, right now the semifinals are being held over there, and there's also some of it being held at a rec center in, in Albuquerque. Okay, well. Any listeners following native high school basketball in New Mexico, uh, lots of teams in Navajo country, Pueblo teams as well, even down south, Apache teams, give us a holler. Let us know what you think or who you're following, who you're rooting for. Uh, again, that number, 1-800-996-2848. Kyler, earlier you mentioned uh, a player playing at Division One, I, I think Arizona State, ASU, and 
I know that there is a, a long history of, of high-level uh, Navajo, especially girls players, that have gone on to Division I teams, uh, University of New Mexico, UNLV, uh, Nevada, Arizona State, NAU. Talk about that. I mean, what, what's in the water there in Navajo that's putting all these players into D1 programs? <laughs> I have um, no clue, but you know what? Um... I, I uh, on the court right now. I see a lot of prospects with um, like there's some girls that are playing at um, high school level right now that have that potential to be in that um, you know to be in the D1 or even be in at the college level. The opportunity is always there for them. We're seeing a lot of talent right now, and you guys had talked about it earlier about how students right now are playing at a different level. I was talking to Coach the other day, um, Randy Chris from Navajo Prep. You know, and, you know, she described about how, like, now there's more opportunities for our students out there. There's also more, right? And you guys had talked about that, right? You know, that right now, mm -hmm. you know, we don't play in the dirt no more. You know, back in the day, there was a, you know, we play on res ball, playing in the sand. Of course, it's still that. But you know what? Now we have more, you know, uh, more of our old players coming back, more of our, you know, the D1 players that have been at that level coming back and teaching at, at this level. We also have some of our football players even taking part and also being a part of that. You know, the other night I had seen um, one of our D1 players at the game, and he was talking about how he's, you know, helping the students here at this level as well, you know, just being a part of it and encouraging them and letting you know that, you know, that always that student comes first, you know. Yeah, yeah, really important to stress that as well. It's easy to get carried carried away, though, easy to get wrapped up in just the excitement of, of high school athletics. And, yeah, you definitely want to make sure kids have their priorities. And that's what I really appreciate about uh, Josh Stewart talking earlier about how he makes sure that his his kids, uh, his, his players have their priorities in line. And, Carol, I want to ask you, because, you know, Edward talked earlier about, um, you know, fans watching on Facebook Live up in Alaska following their teams. And, and Josh mentioned uh, being a young kid and watching the team bus there at Lodgegrass. And there in Navajo country, how do communities come out and rally and support their home teams? Oh, man, you know, um, I, I've seen it here today. You know, we had um, or seen it in the past few days that we've seen our, our how they're rallying up our team and how they're rallying up the, the community. You know, um, we're using the radio station as well as we're using uh, social media to um, gather them out here at the, uh, you know, and sending them off to the state tournament. You know, that was a really um, cool thing to witness here at the, at the, um, at, in the community at Crown Point, you know, uh, because it's been so long for them to, you know, that, they, that they've been to the state championship. I think it was like way back in 1980s when last time Crown Point had, you know, sent their girls basketball team to the state, state tournament. And it was, and if I can think, if I can remember correctly, it was like in 1994, 95, when um, Crown Point had sent a team to uh, the state playoffs. Um, and just for that matter, we had seen um, a lot, you know, like Crown Point is one of the storied, um, not uh, Shiprock is one of the storied, um, you know, players team that had been to the state playoffs multiple times, as well as Kirtland Central, you know, some of our native girls play on that team as well. You know, um, just a lot of support out here. The gyms are always filled, and this one thing that's always surprised. Just today, earlier, uh, one of the uh, one of the listeners that told me he said, "You need to um, figure out how we could turn down the radio when you're doing the live games, or turn down the the the, the, the sound for the crowd because they fill the gyms and the gyms are so loud." And so, um, you know, that's one thing that you know they always got to admire out here in Navajo country is that you know they really love their 
basketball out here, and they want to always support their teams. But I have a question for you, Sean. Have you ever heard of um, some of the Navajo teams going up against some of those um, northern teams up there? That's a really good question. You know, and, and, uh, traveling teams, and now with some of these big national tournaments, I know there's a, a big tournament every year up in Rapid City uh, in December, uh, the Lakota Nations Invitational. You know, let's ask Josh about that. Josh, do you ever have uh, any experience playing against teams from the Southwest, native teams? I think now at Nobby they'll play. <clears throat> and then Denver was usually, when we were growing up, Denver was the big one where we played teams from like Oklahoma and Arizona. The I forget what the name of the Denver tournament, um, but Nobby now I think they get that opportunity, and then um, there's just a few native tournaments that they'll play in. But um, those are the ones I know of where where I've played against guys from from uh, the south. What about the um, you know AU Amateur Athletic Union that basketball. Uh, those programs are getting really popular all over the country. And I know a lot of native uh, youth participate in those too. Are there any opportunities through AAU for uh, native kids from other States to play each other, Josh? Um, I think they, they usually bunch up with, with uh, like in Billings, we'll play with teams from Bozeman and they're predominantly Caucasian and African-American. And then our native boys play with them. But there's no native team that that is out there that I've seen. And my son plays on a, a Montana Rebels on the lower level, and then my, some of my players play on their high school, and they've gone to like Salt Lake and Seattle and Vegas, and we've never played a team that had just native players on there. Hmm. Interesting, Kyler. You spent a little bit of time on the hard court in your in your youth. How important are memories of of, of being a basketball player to you? Um, I think it's really important that, um, you know, that we have that, you know, connection with it and keep those things going because, I, I, you know, it depends on how good your coach is as well and how they want you to advance and what they, you know, the future that they want to build for you. And because at a young, at a young, kid, at a young age, you're very impressionable, right? You want to, you know, if, especially if you have skills and you have skill like that and, you, and the coach sees that you have that potential i think that you know it's always the, the door is always wide open for you but what i want to also is to ask you guys something you know um about um basketball some of the things that we, where we see um a lot of our teams kind of mix up a little bit is that ahec tournament you know, the american indian um higher education consortium when they have the you know the um, event that goes down we usually see a lot of teams from up north and in volleyball as well as basketball but i want to ask the question is um do you think that, you know, a tribal college basketball league would be good to start that we can interact with these teams and we can start to draw them in? What are you guys' thoughts about that? That's a really good question. You know, I went to Haskell and, you know, I, I know Haskell's got a good tribal college. I mean, there's so many more tribal colleges than in years past. I know you've got a lot of them up there in Montana, Josh. What are your thoughts on that tribal college basketball league? I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, a lot of our players, a lot of the my relatives and friends, um, they've gone that route and had some great experiences and grew as young men and warriors. And I think it cur- encouraged them to um, just live better lives, be solid, be dedicated. And the tools they got from basketball, perseverance, teamwork, hard work, humility, they applied that to their lives. And I, I love what it did for them. So I'm, I'm all for it. I love it. Edward, how about you? Um, there's some native colleges up there in Alaska. 
You think any of those uh, college teams would be interested in getting on a plane and flying down to the lower 48 to, to play in some big native tournaments? Oh, man, that that would be so great. I mean, the exposure that these kids here in western Alaska get to uh, basketball out, out of state, you know, it only goes so far as Anchorage. And that's the biggest city here. And, and that's only if you either, one, have enough money to get out into the Anchorage area and uh, go to a basketball camp or go out in that area and you you know you won your district tournament and you get to play that and it and it and it stops there the biggest problem for us out here you know that we faced out here on nunavak island every single game that we've gone out to it costs us six thousand dollars just to go and play and that's to get on a plane and get back that's not even that's just from one village to the other so um we've traveled traveled three times and uh, uh, it costs us almost $20,000. So, you know, money is a big issue for us. But we, we definitely, these kids here in Western Los, I, I believe we don't get as much uh, exposure to that we would want to. I mean, just because our resources are so limited. Some uh, villages, they've been able to, you know, get coaches from downstates like with a basketball camp and have the kids come out and, play in the village uh for a week and showed them some stuff showed their coaches some stuff so man i I would think that would open a lot of doors for kids here in western alaska because there are some really good players out here in western Mm -hmm. alaska and um phenomenal but they they just don't get quite the, the exposure as they do down down in the states Right. And I, I think that's a challenge in, in a lot of Native communities and why we don't see more Native kids playing at D1, because I just don't think uh, they get the exposure. They don't get the recruiters in, in, uh, in some of these states that you know have lower populations and some of these smaller teams, which is really, really unfortunate. But hopefully, you know, maybe we've sparked some interest. Maybe we've got a listener on the line right now thinking, hey, college, uh, tribal college, basketball tournament, a league. Let's make that happen. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today's show. And I certainly do want to thank our guests, Edward Kilkin, Kyler Frank, and Josh Stewart for joining us to talk basketball and sharing highlights for what's been a memorable season for some hardworking, dedicated Native high school teams. We are back again tomorrow. Host Andy Murphy will take us on a tour of an art exhibition in New York, showcasing Shinnecock and other Indigenous artists. I'm Sean Spruce. As always, Thank you for listening to America Calling. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. 
For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org. Support by Roswell Park, who know tribal communities face persistent challenges in health equity, such as cancer and higher death rates. The Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center is dedicated to advancing cancer research that will lead to translatable science, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous populations worldwide. Are you at high risk for cancer? A no-charge online assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org assessme. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.